Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory with great warranties. Terrific pre-owned vehicles with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a terrific service department that backs it all up every step of the way. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. And now, I find this statement troubling, but it's still probably accurate. For those who need a reason to live, there's always the Matt Catrillo rant of the day. And um, I'm looking to the ACC to start this one because there are people that are looking for a reason to live right now. And especially oh, after just, their commissioner. You're just so. <laughs> I'm only stating facts. This is not even my honest opinion. I'm stating facts right now. And they now have a commissioner in Jim Phillips. Look, I know he still has to try to make light of the situation of what's happened with the ACC and college football. But still... What he said yesterday during his press conference was the most naive and tone-deaf speech I have ever seen up to this point. And there's been a lot of those naive, right. tone-deaf statements that we've seen since all this realignment craziness started in college football. He said yesterday about the state of the ACC, and I quote, I've never been more bullish. <laughs> what? You're, you've never been more bullish but what we've done in the past couple of months. You know what you've done in the past couple of months? You've added Stanford. That doesn't give a squat all about sports. You added Cal, who's done next to nothing in football and men's basketball. And you added SMU that might give you some sort of something in football, but not really much in men's basketball. And now you're looking to add more teams, which is causing a little bit of skirmish across the rest of the league because they realize if you're going to keep adding teams like this, the pie is only going to get smaller and not bigger, as we've talked about before. So, like I said, I know you have to put a spin on this, but don't say you've never been bullish about the, your, the, the state of your league when you've added Stanford, Cal, and SMU. It's not like you're adding schools like a Gonzaga that'll give you nothing in football, but at least give you something in men's basketball. These three schools will give you absolutely nothing. And now you've got to split the rest of the pie with your other schools who are unhappy to get out. Florida State, as nauseating as they've been in hearing and voicing their complaints, they're right. The ACC has a major problem on its hands. There's nothing to be bullish about the ACC. What did you want him to say? Seriously, what did you want him to say? 
just to be honest, saying that we're, t we're continuing to work through everything as far as the future of the conference, because he did say that a little bit later on. Just stick with that. Don't go over the top and tell me that I'm bullish. Don't insult my intelligence, first of all. Well, I mean... That's what well, that is. Well, you have to remember, his job is to keep investors excited. His job is to keep advertisers excited. His job is to, to make the ACC network appealing. Um, I mean, that's part of his job. I mean, it's not... I mean, now, they have to do it through actions, of course. And let's face it, what's saving them right now from having everybody or having key in key um, constituents leave is the grant of rights. Um, I don't know. I can't really tell if they made these moves to bring in SMU Cal Stanford with the idea it's a long play in case the Florida State and Clemson want to just say adios and uh, we'll figure out the grant of rights penalty, which there will be. I mean, it's there for a reason. Um, as a backup contingency plan. But, um, I mean, he knows he has problems. Problems, by the way, he did not create. He had zero to do with the TV contract, zero to do with the grant of rights, zero to do with the grant of rights um, being redone, zero to do with the ACC network being formed, which is part of the reason they're in this predicament, and with the because the grant of rights originally was to run out in 2027. Part of the way I understand it, the agreement to get ESPN to produce the ACC network was the ex extension of the grant of rights to 2036. Again, he had nothing to do with it. He inherited all this. I mean, I'm not here telling you that Jim Phillips is the greatest guy in the face of the earth. I mean, when I met him, he's been nice. I mean, when he was the athletic director at... Uh, at uh, Northwestern, he was nice enough to deal with, seemed like a smart guy, but he, he inherited all this. Right? This, is not, this is a little bit different to me than a guy that actually is part of the reason it was created. Like, like he is like a central figure in the problems. You know what I mean? He's the one that has to then deal with it and figure out how to make it right. Not the easiest thing to do, because you're expected to come up, be part of the solution. Um, That's a fair point. He did inherit it. That's you're absolutely right about that. I, I just I just think that never been more bullish is a little over the top. I guess that's really my biggest complaint in all yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I can see why you'd say that. I mean, but I, I think it's part of his job to. Maybe not be over the top, but it'd be positive about what they have. I don't think you want in a this. This had to be ACC basketball media day, right? It was, yes, yes, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, um, and so you get up there, and you know, 
you're trying to paint I know a good picture how about that about what's going on um, and maybe he's trying to make it sound like it's all rainbows and so forth okay alright I understand that uh, I understand where you're coming from with that but I mean what's he supposed to get out there well I'll tell you right now we're doing everything we can to avert disaster <laughs> it's like Okay, well, that's not really the report I was looking for, but that's all right. Okay. You know what I mean? You're like, eh. Okay. Yeah, I, I I get that. He's got to take some sort of positive stance. I just think he just chose the wrong words. Yeah, he may have. He may have. And it's, you know, if it came from a written text, that's, you know. Um, because the problem he has in all of this is is that there's no way outside of the college football playoff expansion for him to get more money into the coffers of his schools. And the college football playoff expansion does do that. Because when they go to 12, it's going to bring in more money for everybody. So that's the one way he can do it. He can't sit there and renegotiate a new TV contract. I'm ESPN. I'm not renegotiating with him. I already got a deal with him. It's not my responsibility. You know, you, you know. And before he was there, so he doesn't have a lot of avenues to do this. And most of the schools in his conference don't have any avenues. In other words, what you know, say there's a breakup with the ACC. Let's say it say were to happen. Where does Wake Forest go? Where does Pitt go? Where does Boston College go? I mean, there are a bunch of schools in that conference that do not have an avenue. Right? I mean, they, they just don't. No question. And there are others that, you know, would have some options, uh, maybe not as attractive as as their fan bases think they are, but they would have some options. And I don't know. Uh, he's got different factions there that he has to deal with along the way. So part of the message he's sending out is to advertisers, part of the message is he's sending out to the media, part of the message is he's sending out to his individual schools. Well, that's not the easiest thing to do when you're trying to take care of so many constituencies at once. That's a big That's a big issue. That's a lot of constituencies to... Um, um, take out um, at once. Not easy. And he had nothing to do with any of it. I mean, I mean and so the grant of rights the first time, zero. He was in the Big Ten. ACC network being formed, he was in the Big Ten. Second grant of rights. All right, with an extension with ESPN, uh, you know, when it comes to both ESPN and the ACC network, nothing to do with it. Um, 
Notre Dame deal. Notre Dame's in for every sport but football. Notre Dame deal. Nothing to do with it. Now, he willingly took this job. He willingly took it. And the responsibilities that go with it. But, in terms of the problems that he inherited, which he was aware of when he took the job, he had nothing to do with the problems. Now, we can sit there and we can openly debate whether Stanford, Cal, and SMU mean something here. But and that's that's what I really don't We could we can debate the value of, of those three, but everything else, mm, not his, uh, not his doing, but is now his responsibility. But when I talk to Jim, big fan of yours, loves you, thinks you're terrific. And uh, a bit hurt that you didn't like him today. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. (laughs) There you go. So the Michigan deal, the Washington Post, to its credit, Will Hobson, and we've had Will on the show before. Okay. So the NCAA probe began after firm obtained evidence from Michigan computers. Yikes. And I think this has to do with the Weiss investigation. Um There was a budget of $15,000 with scouts attending in person more than 40 games played by 10 different opponents. Eight trips were scheduled involving Ohio State, the most for them, each trip costing about $3,000 with tickets prices included. And... Five of these, from what I understand, are Penn State. Five are Georgia. (laughs) Because they might play them in the playoff. The question is now, how do they get some of this information? According to the... Now, I know how they obtained some of the information. There's video evidence of these people in the stadiums with the iPhones pointed straight at the sideline, not going anywhere else, and staying in the same spot the entire time. Uh, it's pretty obvious. Okay. But what has tipped people off? Well, according to the report from the Post, and this is their baby, and let's give Will a lot of credit. I mean, he did some excellent reporting on this. 
The outside firm's investigation was coordinated with people knowledgeable about Michigan football scouting operations. Is it possible someone from inside the Wolverines program is the whistleblower? And they said maybe. Okay. Additional reporting yesterday revealed a text exchange from January and February of 2021 between Stallions and a former student at a Power 5 school looking to get into the college football industry. He was bragging about his sign-stealing in relationship with the Michigan football staff. Now, again, if he's doing it off of video, it's perfectly legal. This, as to what is alleged, is not. Stallions mentioned a Google document more than 550 pages in length called the Michigan Manifesto, which contained a blueprint aimed at assisting the Wolverines and eventually leading the program himself. Oh, boy. What began with an announcement of an investigation into simple alleged sign-stealing efforts has blossomed into a full-scale cheating scandal at Michigan. Now, the Big Ten can investigate themselves because there is a sportsmanship policy in the Big Ten. It has not happened yet, just so you know. But the Big Ten can take action if they want. Um, So it has been, they're saying that it is alleged that they started stealing signs in 2021. Michigan is 22-1 in conference play since that allegedly started. It also should be pointed out that the Washington Post says the outside firm did not provide any evidence that directly connected Jim Harbaugh to the sign-stealing operation. said, everyone's talking about the NCAA with Michigan right now. And according to Josh Pate, late kick host, also does a lot of great work for CBS, I'm telling you that's in the distance. That's 2024 at the earliest before you ever get any punishment. And if you do, I'd be more concerned about what the other two entities will do to me, meaning the college football playoff and the Big Ten. My own conference, because there are mechanisms they can use to act on swiftly if need be. And the college football playoff committee can say, you know what? No. So that's an angle I thought of as soon as I started reading the story. First college football playoff rankings, by the way, come out next Tuesday on Halloween. Um, And the issue here with all this is that the original argument was everybody does it. Well, everybody does attempt to. I mean, I would be confident. I mean, in fact, I'd I'd be upset if my didn't have members of my staff looking at tapes to try and figure out if there's any patterns to them. If I can see them on the tapes, right? I mean, right? You'd feel that way when Matt, you're running the thing. If I can legally, under the rules, look at an all twenty-two or look at a TV tape, and I can pick up some stuff. I mean, it's that you know everybody acknowledges that's fair game. Absolutely, I did it in high school and for playing baseball. I would try to sign steal the 
the third base coach all the time during games. Right. Exactly. So guess what? Hey, everybody is at least trying to figure out something when it's visible. I'll tell you, but I'll tell you, all twenty twos. You know, where you're looking, you get two views of every play, sideline, and end zone, are shot very tight. You're not going to get much out of that. You actually get more out of a TV tape because they're not thinking about such stuff. They're giving you wider views sometimes. And. But this is so intricate and so elaborate. It goes way beyond the line. And that's the issue. It's just so intricate and elaborate, it it goes way beyond the line. I mean, at one point the suit was accused of stealing signs. But they were stop signs, yield signs. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hi there, how are you? Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. the Sunbury Motors guarantee and a terrific service department and they're looking for more technicians that backs it up routine, difficult to handle it all when it comes time to trade in for your next SMC vehicle, your vehicles are going to be in great shape it's all at Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 Nummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com all right, so um, that was one. I do have another, and it's a follow-up from yesterday. America. Let's give them a moment to sit up in their chairs a bit. <laughs> right to the edge. <laughs> so 
you asked me yesterday if I was going to be watching Victor Wembanyama's debut with the Spurs, and I said I wasn't sure. But I decided to watch the game. I ended up watching most of the game last night. Okay. So that his overall performance, it wasn't terrible, but it was not great. And I certainly did not come away thinking that he's better than LeBron James at his young age, like Brian Windhorst of ESPN said yesterday, which was the first part of this rant. So, early in the game, he gets his first three-pointer. Okay, great, blah, 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 gets that. But then afterwards, he does next to nothing in the first half because he has five fouls in 16 minutes of action. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? I get it's his first game, but five fouls in 16 minutes is atrocious for a guy with supposed to be his stature of skill and size. That's horrendous. So there's that. Now, in the second half, he gets he has 15 points total. He gets he had six in the first half, and then he gets nine of it in the nine of his 15 in the fourth quarter. And they were all big shots. Don't get me wrong, but. It wasn't anything that I was going, oh my God, this guy's better than LeBron James. Like, it wasn't anything like that either. And here's, here's my other thing that I think is the biggest problem with him, and this is exactly what you and I have both talked about ever since all this crazy hoopla started. His defense was atrocious. And actually, I would say borderline say quite embarrassing at some point. This guy had no idea what he was doing or where he was supposed to be on the floor. And the minute that he tried to get in a little bit of contact, he would barely get his get himself in there and or he backed away after a second. So there was no physicality to him whatsoever. And that's going to be his biggest, to me, his biggest downfall right now in terms of him being a star in this league. This is not, this is not basketball in Europe. This is the NBA. Physicality is huge and critical in this league. And he shied away from it last night. Not to mention he had five fouls in 16 minutes. Well, so probably, probably one of the reasons why he ended up shying away from it. I mean, probably. <laughs> but yeah. but even even though, so it looks like the Spurs were either playing a matchup zone or, or an actual zone defense. This guy had no idea where he was supposed to be. It looked he looked like a complete deer in the headlights. And then on a couple of rebound opportunities, especially late in the game, it's a one-point game, the ball's bouncing around. He's just standing there. He's not even going for the ball. So, like, so spare me with this he's better than LeBron James. I don't want to hear any more of that garbage until this kid actually does something meaningful. Because that was not it last night. I, the people are saying that, that he showed some flashes. What flashes? Any good player in the NBA could have done what he did in the fourth quarter. I've seen that time and time again. So please, until this guy actually does something the way he's supposed to, and I'll give him some time. It was game one. All right, so I I do want to caution that with my rant here. But let's just say he's not off to the greatest start because, as we also talked about yesterday, he was not very good in summer league either. So all I'm saying is, let's pump the brakes big time and enough of the live stats with him. Literally for most of the game that he was out on the floor, ESPN literally had his stats going across the board. Now, was it helpful because I tuned in late in the game? Yeah, at first. But then I don't need to read it like live stats. If you want to pop it up every once in a while, okay, fine. But I don't need to have it going every five seconds. Like, please. Yeah, look... 
this is ESPN. Oh, no question. Um, that is nothing to the fault of, of the kid. This is That was ESPN's part. That was the other thing that irritated me there. But there you go. As you know, I there's some things I think they do extremely well, and I'll say it. Like, uh, the Little League World Series, I mean, they, they couldn't be any better at doing that. And there are other things they don't do well. They're not very good on baseball. Like, okay. They're okay on hockey. I mean, take the theme music out, which is terrific. But TNT's better in hockey than they are. In terms of presenting it. Um, you know, camera angles, things like that, ideas. Not like the announcers are fine. Sean's terrific. Ray Ferraro, Emily, they're great. Studios like eh. Like like all the other studio shows ESPN has. Eh. Um it's um but like stuff like this, you know what? I I'm not surprised, you know, they they'll go they'll go over the top and Webb and Yama is considered to be the future face of the league. Well, guess what's also in the future? TV contract renewal. Right? Correct. And that is something I'm sure that is being talked about in the hallways up there. Let's make sure we present all this and him in such a way where like we'll put a big time competitive bid in and they're going to want to stick with us because of the way we present it on top of the competitive bid right so the rest of us are going to have to endure it (laughs) Um, and I and when it comes to him, obviously, I don't know him. Goodness, I mean, the, in fact, the odds of my lifetime that I'll ever be in the same room with him, right, or in the same wherever, is going to be extremely long. Extremely long. So I don't know. I mean, you know, when he's interviewed, he seems nice enough. But you got to let people grow into who they actually are. And as you correctly pointed out, it's one game. Now, on the surface, what is he, 7-3 and a half? 7-3? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Somewhere and in that category. So he can block shots, he has length. And only have one block last night, right. too. We're gonna... Well, that, again, you, you, who'd they play last night? They were home against Dallas, and Dallas right. won the well, game. Well, Dallas will shoot a fair amount of threes in the game. Uh, how did Derek play? Derek Lively. Uh, I think he had. I think he finished in double figs. I'd have to double-check that. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's Kathy Drysdale's son. So, and, uh, but... You know, he's 7'3", he's got length, so he can block some shots. Uh, For a guy that size, he really is a very good passer. Uh, You're going to have to learn to defend against guys that are really quick and strong in this league. Uh, uh, It looks like he has a very good offensive game with a good outside shot. Everything else, we're just going to have to see how he does against this guy. I think he's, what, 19 years of age? 
Um, but they've tried to create a Wemby persona here that makes it seem like he's taking over the league. And it's going to be a stretch for the San Antonio Spurs to make the playoffs. And that includes getting 10 teams into each conference. Two-thirds of the league will make it. He's going to need better players around him. And, you know, and just like, look, just like LeBron needed better players around him. It's just part of the growth process. Michael Jordan needed better players around him. You know, Jordan did everything he could up to a point, but then they finally added in Scottie Pippen, and they, um, and that made a big difference. Horace Grant got better. Right? Then eventually, the second run through, they added in Dennis Rodman. You know, they when they started adding other parts around him, then Jordan, who was doing so much himself, so much himself. Then the entire dynasty of the Bulls came into being because now there were more options, which then made it more effective, and Jordan wasn't hesitant about passing off to John Paxson for the final shot to win a series. He wasn't hesitant to passing off to Steve Kerr for the final shot of a series because he knew they, were, you know, they could do it. But when you have nobody around you, like when he beat Cleveland, he didn't really have as many options. So he beat Cleveland and went over Craig Elo himself. Great play, great shot. But everybody needs people around them. Larry Bird, you know, when they added in Parrish and McHale and that, that deal with the Golden State, right? You know, changed the, you know, then they added in. Dennis Johnson, then suddenly the Celtics were a great team again, right? Magic had Kareem, and then they they drafted James Worthy, and you know, and they had Michael Cooper and Byron Scott. He had a lot of great people around him, right? It makes a big difference. Webinyama doesn't have anybody around him, so he really it's going to take a while for us to even get a feel as to where he is in his career as a one man show. He's not going to be enough to overcome anybody. And the key is, in being a one-man show, don't develop bad habits trying to do it yourself. And you might draw the wrath and ire of Matt Controller. Oh, my almighty! But your rant is not about him. Your rant is about the coverage of him. For the most part, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have anything to do with it. He either plays or he can't. You know what I mean? It's like he can only do what his performance can do, right? And if he's good, not great, he's good, not great. Okay, that's that's fair enough. But he's not the one getting sitting there and proclaiming to the world he's the greatest. He has not said that. He's not the one bragging about himself. I haven't heard him say one thing about himself really ever. No, he's a, he's actually very mature, which I right. get, which I give him a, a lot, a lot of credit right. for. It's everybody else that's bragging about him. <laughs> and they did mention that on the broadcast last night, referencing Greg Popovich and the way he's handled everything. So, well, Popovich will handle it in his own way, and, and, and of course, and he, you know, and bully me, you you can't win like he's won over his lifetime and not. I mean, Popovich for all the 
you know, the pontificating and the 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 media interviews and during games that are really awkward. And the whole thing is one heck of a coach. He really is. Yeah. Lively actually had a double-double in 31 minutes last night. 16-10, and 10, 7 of 8 shooting, also had an assist. Well, I knew Kathy was going down to those games. She told me, uh, I saw Kathy two weeks ago. So she was going down there. You, know. <laughs> you see him now? I remember when he was a little kid. <laughs> Can't imagine a guy that size as a little kid. But I remember when he was like, holy mackerel. Now you think of him now. You know, because, you know, he could be over at the back gym of the Jordan Center, you know. And, you know, shooting around. and doing... <laughs> Hey. <laughs> That's a heck of a debut, though. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's a really good athlete. He runs the floor well. He blocks shots. He's going to be – he's going to end up probably being more valuable to Dallas as a defender – and he's going to be more valuable to Luka Doncic as a defender, which will take a lot off Lucas's play. So that'll help. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. High school roundtable next half hour. Um, we'll have the suit up first, and then after he's done with that half hour, uh, we'll then go to the others. Does that sound fair? S-U-I-T, that spells suit-da! That's off of one question. How are you? It's 2.30, time to take a break. You're on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Johnson Vassell for San Antonio. Front court left, dribble handoff, so hand to Vassell. Works right around the screen by Wimbenyama. Back to Wimby on the pick and pop. We'll try a straightaway three. And that's the Wimby Trois from Devin Vassell. 13-7, San Antonio. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Oh, boy. We're going to start calling it a what? What is that called? Wumba trauma? Is that what I heard? Uh, Let me play it again. Johnson Vassell for San Antonio. Front court left, dribble handoff, so hand to Vassell. Works right around the screen by Wimbenyama. Back to Wimby on the pick and pop. We'll try a straightaway three. And that's the Wimby Trois from Devin Vassell. 13 7, San Antonio. Uh, is it a, is the Wemby Trois. Uh, Wemby Trois. Yeah. Okay, in other words, French for three. Ah, okay. See, I didn't study French. I, I did Spanish in high school. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Just, I'm over here, I can't, you know. <laughs> I just, you know. I try to enter the job well-rounded. All right, <laughs> I said I took Spanish, and I took two years of Latin in high school. Well, Latin doesn't pay off here. Who speaks it? <laughs> I mean, get a preculosicalorum. Okay, I got it. Okay, you know, I mean, they did the entire mass in Latin when I was a kid. Okay, well, I know, I yeah. Hey, guess what? I sat there and I'm like, okay, I don't know what they're saying. I kind of know where we are. Uh, you know? Uh, and then they changed the English. Felt good. <laughs> ay, yeah, yeah. So. You got more to give, Steve Jones. No, I mean, I'm giving a lot. I at least knew when it was French. <laughs> Come on, John. Hey, why don't you talk to the other guy? He's got more to give. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm sorry. No broadcaster says anything in Latin. 
Not e- <laughs> not even the dude at the Vatican. <laughs> I took two years of Latin. Really? <laughs> How's that going to help us? <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Even when they're picking a new pope, we don't need to go to you for Latin. They actually come out and say it in English. <laughs> right? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Latin. Really? I did. That's, uh... Oh, well. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I might as well get it, get that all out now because in the next half hour I'm not going to say it, man. Really, anything. S U I T. That spells suta. How are you feeling today? All right. News is next. <laughs> This is your guy. This is your guy. And we may or not hear any complaints about going up to Colgate this week because that's Bucknell football's next game. And he has, compl- to, he has to go on the dreaded trip up to uh, Hamilton, New York. How many hours is that? I believe it's like a four or five hour drive, but the problem is a lot of it, like once you get into New York, it's all, you're only on like a two-lane road, like a plain two-lane two, two road and not a highway, and that's why everybody hates to drive up there. Yeah, so it's yeah. not just him, but he complains about it the most. <laughs> complains about everything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, ne- next week I am going to have to drive to Maryland, so I already know that. But the circumstances are awful and so forth. There's a funeral that is I have to go to uh, next Friday. So... Um, and it's one of those I need to be there. So then the team's leaving at like at noon, so I won't be able to get out, leave until two o'clock. So I'm going to drive. Um, but that's about the extent of it. It's you know, sure it's the Beltway, sure there's traffic, whatever. That's about the extent of the complaining. There you go. If you're going down to an Orioles game from here, you got to drive that way. Yeah. Yeah, you do. So, that's fine. No problem. I just have to work it out how to get my car back to my car after the game. Because I'm not going to drive the car into the game because we need the parking pass for Bob Taylor, the engineer. Your home for news, AccuWeather, and sports. Celebrating 90 years of serving the Susquehanna Valley. We are WKOK Sunbury.